Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Emma, like um, Helen just said. <laughs> um, my husband, John, and I have been here in Cardiff now for um, two years. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a mature student at Cardiff Metropolitan studying dietetics. I've just finished my first year and loving it. Um, and um, John and I, alongside the lovely Bethan, have been co-leading a small group here um, for the last year. Um, and it is such a privilege to be part of the community here at this church. We've really found a home. Um, and again, it's a real privilege to be speaking to you this evening. So... Ooh bit loud. There we go. Um, last week, Helen kicked us off um, with our summer series looking at the book of Proverbs. And the key kind of points that she drew out from the book um, is that it is based all, all of Proverbs is wisdom. Um, there is so much wisdom in this book. And the main theme throughout the book is wisdom. And the key theme that Helen kind of pulled out, or at least that I took from her message last week, is that it is so important for us to seek wisdom in all that we do. And so tonight's topic is dealing with anger. Deep breath. <laughs> it is a tough topic and can feel a bit heavy at times. So let's just pray again um, before we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're here in this room. We just pray that you'd be at the center of this conversation right now and that there'd be a real sense of peace and safety in the room as we explore this topic with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what is anger? Well, most of us will know that anger is this intense, dominant emotion that kind of surfaces off the back of feeling wronged, off the back of an injustice. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about anger. I was surprised at how much is in there about anger. Um, but it kind of highlights these two types of anger. The first is a righteous anger. And a righteous anger is, um, again, that surge of emotion, that rage that kind of overtakes you, but it's a God-given rage. And that righteous anger is what drives you to want to partner with God to see something change because there's been an injustice and you just can't sit there and do nothing. You have to do something. And so this anger is mostly God-given. And what it does is it drives you to partner with his kingdom and what he's doing to see change. And then there's also a second type of anger, which is a more human anger. And again, this is the rage that kind of takes over us when we feel like we've been wronged. But if not dealt with properly and carefully, this anger can take over our lives and it can start to control us. And it can lead us into a lot of destruction if we're not careful. And as I was praying about how on earth I pulled together a, a talk on dealing with anger this evening, I really felt like God say that, yes, there is a time and a place to talk about righteous anger. It's so important. But this evening, he wants to shine a light and give us some practical tips as to how we work through our own human anger, how we wrestle with that, with him at the center. So I just want to say beforehand, I realize that for some of us in the room this evening, anger might be something that you're journeying with right now, and it might feel a bit overwhelming. And here at Vineyard, we have um, a pastoral care team that would love to support you. Our small group leaders are a great place um, to start a conversation with if you feel like you need some extra support. And we also have a Zozo ministry, which aims to go a bit deeper into the core issues and bring you to a place of freedom. So I just want to highlight those kind of points of pastoral care if you feel like you need some extra support off the back of tonight's message or just in general. 
But tonight I'm going to be talking about anger in a slightly more general terms. And I'm going to ground everything that I say from chapter 29 of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles with you and you want to open up um, or get your phones out, whatever is best, feel free to do that now. So, how do we deal with anger? Well, step one is, first of all, we have to recognize that it's anger that we're wrestling with. Sometimes it's not always as obvious as we realize, and it can mask itself as a few different things. But Proverbs 29, verse 22 says, An angry person stirs up dissension, conflict, but a hot-tempered person commits many sins. And what this proverb is teaching us is that if we let anger control us, it leads us into some really dark places. As the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. And if we're not careful, we can allow the anger within us to start affecting the people around us as well. Part of my testimony is that about nine years ago, God healed me supernaturally of wrestling with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. But this Christmas just gone, I became really poorly with my stomach again. Something very different to the IBS I'd wrestled with before, but nonetheless still all situated within my stomach, and it was causing me an immense amount of pain. And as it started, I had so much faith that God would heal me because he's healed me before, and I know that he can do it again. But as the weeks rolled into months, and those months rolled into more months, and I wasn't improving, and I wasn't seeing any change, and doctors didn't know what was wrong, couldn't pinpoint the issue, that faith disappeared and what happened is I became really really angry at God what was the point of healing me all those years ago if he was just going to let me get sick again now I couldn't wrap my mind around it and the more I thought about it the more angry I became and what happened is that in my anger I pulled back from God stopped spending time with him I stopped reading the word I even stopped coming to church for a while because I just couldn't deal with it. And instead, I would spend my time lying in bed watching rubbish on Netflix and just kind of feeling a bit sorry for myself, sleeping a lot of the time. And as I did this, I fell into deeper, deeper depression. Now, another part of my testimony is that growing up, I really wrestled with self-hatred. I had this inability to be able to see my own beauty. And I couldn't understand what my worth was. I couldn't understand that I was worthy, that I was worthy to be loved. And in another dramatic revelation, which is a story for another time, God revealed his truth that cut through all the lies and told me that I was his precious daughter, that I was his masterpiece, that he created me beautiful, and that his opinion was the only opinion that mattered and he loved me unconditionally. And that broke the power of that wrestle and that battle over my life. But what I found happening in my depression and in my rage towards God about my illness was that thoughts of self-hatred started to creep back in again. And I suddenly realized, hang on a minute, what is going on? I know that this battle in my life has been won and I have the victory over it. So why am I wrestling with it again? Why have I allowed these thoughts to creep in? And then I remembered, oh, I've not really been spending any time with God. And you see what anger can do is it isolates you. And when you are isolated, you are vulnerable. 
you are vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And John 10.10 says, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that he has come that we may have life and life to the full. We can only experience that life to the full if we do it with him. And that anger, and in my anger, I isolated myself from God, which meant that I was vulnerable to previous attacks, trying to creep in again. That is how destructive anger can be. But a few helpful um, tips, questions to help us recognize whether it is anger that we're wrestling with. First of all, ask yourself, have old habits where you once had victory reared their ugly heads again? Second question to ask yourself, has your behavior changed? Are you treating yourself or others differently? And if so, are you in control of your behavior or is it your emotion that is controlling you? And thirdly, what else are you feeling? You see, anger is a very dominant emotion, but it tends to kind of travel in a pack. It doesn't often come on its own. And the other emotions it brings with it are fear, anxiety, frustration, deep sadness. And all of these emotions are just as important as the anger. And all of those emotions desperately need to be processed and dealt with as well. But sometimes the anger can mask that. So ask yourself, what else am I feeling? And if none of those questions are helpful, why don't you ask a family member or a close friend and say, hey, is anger something you see in me? Do you think this is something I need to work on? And failing that, why don't you ask God? He knows you better than anyone else. So, step one, how do we deal with anger? We have to recognize that it's anger that we're dealing with and that it's isolated us and we need help. Secondly, step two, we have to find a safe person, place, or physical act to help us express our pain, to get it out of isolation and into full view. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. What this proverb is teaching us is that there is a difference between venting to spread your anger, to justify yourself, opposed to expressing your pain with someone you trust, with the view of bringing peace and calm in the end. Now, a number of years ago, I was student pastoring for a church in London, and we were on our student weekend away, and it was the last night of the weekend and we were having ministry time, and one of the girls that I'd been connecting with um, throughout the weekend, we kind of bonded over the fact that we were both wrestling with IBS. She came up to me and she asked for prayer. And she said, could you find a slightly more private place to chat? And I said, okay. And uh, as we sat down to chat, she began to explain to me how growing up, she had been horrifically violated by someone who was quite close to her at the time. Horrifically violated. And in that moment, she'd felt so much fear and guilt and shame around what happened to her that instead of telling anyone about it, she shoved it all down and she kept it to herself. And what she began to notice is that as the years passed, she was becoming more and more angry and not just anger toward the people that represented her abuser, but anger toward her close family and friends. There was this deep set bitterness in her and she didn't know what to do. And she needed freedom. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking, oh my gosh, 
I don't know how to help you, but God does. So I shouted a quick prayer to God. I'm not shouted. Did a whisper prayer in my head. God, help me. Help her. Would you come? And I laid my hand on her shoulder and I began to pray. And as I began to pray, I heard the voice of God speak really clearly. And he said, she hasn't released her pain. She needs to let it out. And I was like, okay, God, how does she do that? And again, God's voice spoke really clearly. I want her to scream. I was like, what? (laughs) I can't tell this poor girl after she shared so vulnerably with me that I think it would be a good idea if she screams. (laughs) So I wrestled with God for a little while and I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure that's the best thing, God. Really? But he kept saying it and he kept saying it. So eventually I plucked up the courage and I kind of timidly said, so I have this word, I think that God would like you to release your pain, to get it up and to get it out of you. And I think the best way to do that is to scream. How do you feel about that? And she looked at me and then she looked around the room and I looked at her and I looked around the room and we saw the other hundred students and she said, what here, now? I thought, no, here is not appropriate. But then I remembered that there was a sports field out the back of the centre that we were staying in. I said, how about we go there? And to my surprise, she said, yeah, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I quickly ran and told the other leaders that I was with, made sure I was accountable, made sure people knew what we were doing. And we went out to this sports field. And I just wrapped my arms around her. And it was about 9.30 in the evening, in the middle of November. It was dark and it was cold. (laughs) But I just wrapped my arms around her and I just prayed, okay, Holy Spirit, would you now fill her with the boldness and the courage to feel everything that she has suppressed, to get it up and to get it out of her so that she can receive the healing that she deserves. And I just said to her, whenever you're ready. And then she screamed. And she screamed and she screamed and she screamed. And there's no exaggeration when I say that she must have screamed for about 15 minutes. She had a lot of pain, a lot of pain, and it needed to come out. And after the 15 minutes, she stopped, and I asked her, how do you feel? Do you feel like you've got it all out? And she said, yeah, I feel like I'm done. I feel like it's out. I said, okay, how do you feel? She was like, yeah, I feel amazing. I feel free. I was like, that's incredible. And so I just prayed for her again. I said, okay, Holy Spirit, would you just close the book on this chapter of her life now? Would you heal the wound and would you enable her to walk forward in freedom now forevermore? Amen. And that was it. She ran back inside, joined her friends. And the next morning, I'm having breakfast before we're due to get on the coaches. And she comes and finds me at the breakfast table and she goes, Emma, 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 you'll never guess what. I was like, what, what? She said, last night was the first night that I slept through the whole night with no nightmares or flashbacks from what happened. And also, this morning, my stomach feels weirdly normal. (laughs) God had healed her in that moment. and She'd been completely set free. And I got to track with that student for the next year. She was part of our community. Um, And I can safely say she has never had any nightmares and never had any more stomach issues from that point onwards. She is completely healed. There is something so important about getting our pain out of darkness and into the light, out of its isolation and into full view so that Holy Spirit has the permission to come in and to bring the healing that is so desperately needed. And when we suppress our pain, sometimes our minds can forget 
about it, but our bodies never do. And it just kind of sits there until an opportune moment to rear its head again. So I encourage you, if for some reason you have suppressed pain this evening, whether it's anger-related or something else, please, please find a safe person or place or physical act, and I stress safe, someone you trust, and express your pain. Begin to start that journey. Don't let it sit there. Let God shine a light on it and bring the healing that you require. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our God is so powerful. His peace can transcend any experience, any trauma you've ever had. We have to let him in. So that's step two. Step three. We have to hand over our anger to God and we have to get prayer. Now, if it's God that you're angry at, like I was or have been, and that's still very fresh. I'm still in the process of getting better and improving. And I'm thankful that I can be here tonight and talk to you. But I'm still on a journey with my health. If it's God you're angry at, this can be hard. But Proverbs 29 verse 26 says, Many seek an audience with a ruler but it is from the Lord that one gets justice. What this proverb is teaching us is that often when we feel wronged, we look to an authority figure to try and fix our problem, to try and right the wrong. But at the end of the day, our God is the only God that is ever going to be able to put that wrong properly right again, this side of heaven. We have to give our anger over to God. He is the perfect judge. And as I was wrestling with realizing that this anger had isolated me and kind of coming out of that anger and starting to process with God a little bit more, he told me a story. And he said to me, Emma, I want you to imagine that you were Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Now, a few of you seem to like know the series, but for those of you who don't know it, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a comedy series on Netflix at the minute. It's about a group of detectives that work for the NYPD. And Jake Peralta is the main character on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he is the best detective on the squad, but his character flaws are that he's a bit arrogant and he's a bit prideful. So anyway, I felt like God say, I want you to imagine that you're Jake Peralta and your captain has come to you and said, there's this huge crime ring in operation. It's wreaking havoc across our city. I'm giving this case to you. This is your job. I want you to capture them and I want you to stop the evil that they are doing across our city. And Jake goes, yes, amazing. This is my time to shine. And he spends the next weeks, months, all of the time that he has is immersed in trying to bring this crime ring down. His whole world becomes about this case. And eventually the evening comes, the SWAT team go in and they capture everyone involved. Not just one or two people, but they get every single person involved in this crime ring. And in your pride, in Jake's pride, you parade every arrested criminal in front of your captain. You go, look, captain, look how well I did. I captured them all. And then your captain says to you, great job, Jake. But uh, now you're going to have to let them all go. What? 
but I just spent so long and so much time invested in bringing them to justice and making sure that they can rot in prison. And you want me to let them go? Why? And your captain says, well, someone came in, they've paid the bail for every single one of them. And not only that, but they've paid the cost, they paid the price for the amount of devastation that they've caused across the city. They're all free to go. And you start to argue with your captain, only to realize that now he is handcuffing you and he is ushering you into a prison cell. And the bars shut in front of you and he leaves you there. And you're sat wondering what on earth has gone wrong. You see, anger and unforgiveness go hand in hand. And when we carry our anger around and when we carry unforgiveness around, it makes us bitter. And it causes so much devastation, not to the people that you want to see punished, but more so to yourself. And actually, when you carry that, what you are saying to Jesus is that, I'm sorry, Lord, but what you did for me on that cross just isn't good enough. I need more. And when we get to that point, we end up in a prison of our own. And then one day, Jesus comes and visits you in that prison. And he sits outside the cell and he says, hey, are you ready to ask for help yet? And then he reminds you of who he is and what he did for you. And he says, hey, Jake, hey, Emma, hey, whoever you are, I love you with an unconditional love. And what I did for you on that cross, I did for you. And I paid every single, I paid the debt for every single mistake you have ever made and will ever make because I love you. But I also died on that cross for every single person who has ever wronged you. And I paid the price for every debt of theirs as well. Will you trust me enough to know that I am the perfect judge and that I never created you to play judge. <laughs> when he told me that story, I was like, oh my gosh, I never realized. I never realized that when I hold on to that anger and that unforgiveness, actually what I'm saying to God is, I don't trust you. But... We have to trust him because he is the perfect judge and he is the only person in this world that will ever be able to set those wrongs right. We have to lay our anger at the foot of the cross where it belongs because he is the perfect judge and he can take that pain from you like no one else can. And I encourage you, if it's, at, if it's God you're angry at, do not pull back from him but summon all of your strength and run at him with all of your might. Shout at him, scream at him, swear at him, do whatever you need to do to get right with him, but do not pull back. Run at him with all of your might because if there is anyone in this world that can deal with the power of human wrath, it is God. He knows our pain so intimately and he cares so deeply about us and he wants to see us free. I just want to make a little note here that when we forgive someone, that doesn't undermine the pain that they've caused you. God cares so deeply about you and he wants to restore that pain. When we forgive someone, it doesn't undermine your pain. And what it also doesn't do is allow people to continue to hurt us. It doesn't do that either. But what it does do is release you from the responsibility of that person's punishment. 
and it hands that responsibility into the capable hands of God where it is supposed to be. So that's step three. We hand over our anger to God. And finally, step four, we receive our healing. We claim our healing and we walk in the freedom that God has called us into. Now I'm just going to dive out of Proverbs 29 for a minute and jump into Proverbs 19 verse 11 where it says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. And Proverbs 20 verse 3 says, It is to one's honour to avoid strife. But every fool is quick to quarrel. You see, what these Proverbs are teaching us is that actually, not only is it healthy for us to hand over our anger to God, it is actually for our glory and for our honour in his kingdom. It's actually for our glory and our honour and our purpose and who he has created us to be and that walk of freedom that he has created a path for us to walk in, that we let go of the anger and we let go of the pain. And the best way to claim your healing is to immerse yourself in God's word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God can cut through your pain in an instant if you let it. The word of God is alive and active. It is powerful. And it can bring you to a place of healing if you continue to immerse yourself in it, to read it daily, to spend time with God and let it transform you from the inside out. It is for our glory and our honour that we overlook the offence that people cause us. It's for our glory and our honour in the kingdom of God that we choose to let it go so that we might be able to continue to walk freely in the purpose that God has given us. To step four, receive and claim your healing. Immerse yourself in the word of God. So, how do we deal with anger? Firstly, we have to recognize that it's anger we're wrestling with, that it's imprisoned us and that we need help. Secondly, we have to find a safe person, place, physical act to help us release our pain to get it up and out out of the darkness into the light so that Holy Spirit has permission to come in and bring the healing that you need thirdly we have to hand over our anger to God we have to lay it at the foot of the cross and trust that he is the perfect judge and not us and that in his perfect timing he will set that right he will set that wrong right again and finally we immerse ourselves in the word of God and let it transform us from the inside out so that we can continue to walk in the glory and the honour that God has prepared for us in his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are at the centre of this conversation this evening and we thank you that your presence is here in the room right now. And I just pray for anyone that needs to hear it, God, that your voice would just speak so softly and so gently to their hearts and that you might begin that healing journey for them out of a place of anger and into a place of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so we're just going to head into a time of ministry now. So um, if the band wants to come up and just play something nice in the background. <laughs>
Um, there are a few people that I really felt as I was preparing this message that God wanted to minister to. And um, the first group of people are those who feel like you're stuck at step one. You feel trapped in a prison cell and you don't feel like you have the right people or safe environment around you to be able to release your pain in a safe way. I really feel like God wants to meet with those of you this evening that are feeling like that. He wants to show you what a safe place looks like in order for you to get that freedom that he has prepared for you. Second group of people I feel like God wants to minister to this evening are those who are holding on to unforgiveness. You've played judge for so long. You've forgotten how to trust that Jesus is the perfect judge. He wants to remind you tonight how trustworthy he is And he wants to enable you to step into your glory this evening. And finally, thirdly, healing. For those of you in the room who need healing, whether it's physical healing or emotional healing or both, I really feel like he wants to minister to you guys tonight. And finally, if there is anyone here that has come to church this evening and you didn't want to hear a message about how to deal with anger, but you just came to church because you needed prayer, then please feel free to come forward. There's nothing special about this space at the front, but it just means that people can see that you're here and you want to receive prayer. So when you're ready, feel free to come forward and we'll make sure you get prayer.